This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined once again by Dr. Brendan Miller. We are coming to you on Sunday, May 15th. After the Cubs, Brendan, finish up a (laughs) series win in Arizona, which also means they had a winning West Coast road trip. So I guess the the takeaway here is to not have me on this podcast. When I don't record, they go to the West Coast and they win series. So I think that's what we've concluded here. That is a very strong... So the, this will the, be my last podcast. <laughs> no. yeah, you're, you're the data man. Tell me about the correlation of that because <laughs> yeah. it's pretty strong. Yeah, but no, that was fun. It's good to see the team playing well. You're getting performances by so many different guys on the team. So it, w- it was fun to see the team have some semblance of success that I and you have not seen for the majority of the year. Yeah, and it was a similar weekend to a lot that we saw during that stretch where the the Cubs were losing, uh, you know, the vast majority of these games, Mm -hmm. but all these games were close. They were on the road, and the Cubs found a way to win a couple of them. Uh, You know, two of these games decided by one run, each of the teams winning one, and then the Cubs uh, with a nice two-run victory on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, this was not a week that I think most of us expected to go well, and it really did. So, you know, I know that, you know, you're still looking at the standings and everything, and, you know, it, it certainly uh, doesn't change a lot of that immediately. But regardless, like, this was a, a nice week from this team capped off by a, a nice competitive series there in Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing Saya back in the lineup, having good at-bats, making some good defensive plays, even seeing Frank Schwindel have some success after that yeah. weird— brief demotion it's like you know you want to see everyone succeed but it's still good to see someone like frank pop back up right away and have some success right have some resilience and the personality by frank is is you know very well respected by the team so that's just one example so i'm feeling good Corey. this might be the first podcast of the season outside of that opening week that i feel good recording after a game i think this might be yeah. the first one that i've recorded after a win seriously so you know it feels good yeah, well, and, and really, we will obviously get into a lot of specifics here. Uh, we'll update on some roster stuff that's going on, and we'll talk about some of the, the really impressive performances that we saw this weekend. But I think the thing that stands out, Brendan, is the starting pitching. Like, this was a weekend oh, yeah. where finally we see strong starting pitching, and we didn't get super deep into games, but multiple starts uh between Smiley and Steele where the guys go six innings and yeah. Kyle five and two almost thirds. Six, yeah. yeah almost six like this was one of those like okay here comes the rotation right. like kind of getting it together and, and giving us the performances that we've kind of really desperately needed from this group um, and especially as Wade Miley has come back hopefully Marcus Stroman is able to rejoin soon, you start to feel a little better about that group as opposed to where we started the season. Yeah, no doubt. That was the big problem when you're having guys go three, four, five innings, the bullpen is taxed more. And as a result, perhaps you're seeing guys out of the bullpen 
have success and getting chances, perhaps in higher level situations. We'll get into it this episode, but Scott Efros is an example. He's been used in higher leverage situations because Smiley went six, Kyle almost went six. You had today Steele have his best start as a Cubs starting pitcher, allowing Efros to come in in higher leverage situations. So it's giving Ross more flexibility and more areas to test these guys out in higher leverage situations. So there is the starting pitching aspect, and then there is the consequence of that for those in the bullpen. Yeah, and of course, uh, Cody, Ryan, and I talked about this uh, after the, you know, when we did the uh, series recap after the Padres series ended, but especially down David Robertson, who's been one of your highest leverage relievers. Obviously, you, you, you know, obviously we've talked about length from the starters this entire season, but especially when you're down, you know, someone who has been basically your best reliever or one of your best relievers, however you want to categorize that, it it makes it that much more important that you're not leaning on the bullpen too much right. as we've seen during this season. But let's, let's just run through these games, quick recap to set the table here, and then we will uh, get into the specifics of what we saw from the starting rotation. We'll start there. Uh, on Friday, it was a three to four loss for the Cubs. This one started by Drew Smiley. Six innings. He does allow 10 hits. Uh, the defense wasn't great behind him. Four earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Not the best outing we've seen from Smiley, but he does go six. ERA sitting at 3.64 on the season, Brendan. Like, that's, you know, definitely something you're going to take from a guy who, you know, made it into your rotation after the lockout and what all of, you know, the body of work that we've seen from Drew Smiley throughout this season. The Cubs got their runs in this game on an Ildemaro Vargas triple and a Rafael Ortega sack fly. The Cubs did lead this game three to nothing, uh, but a big bottom of the third ties the game up for the Diamondbacks. And then unfortunately, the Cubs lose this one on a wild pitch, which is always a pretty frustrating way to lose a ball game. On Saturday, it was a four to two win for the Cubs behind Kyle Hendricks, five and two thirds, five hits, just one run allowed, two walks and two strikeouts. Started a little shaky for Kyle, but he did settle down, ends up throwing 94 pitches in this game. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. It was the Jan Gomes game, and we will be talking about the tandem of him and Wilson Contreras later on in this episode. He hits his second home run to tie this game at one. He also drives in another on a single in the top of the ninth. The Cubs scoring three times in the top of the ninth to uh, win this one four to two. And then the finale, as we all saw on Sunday, it was a three to two Cubs win. This one behind the best start of Justin Steele's major league career. Six innings, just three hits, just one earned run, two runs allowed, two walks, and 10 strikeouts. Brendan will assuredly be taking us into the pitch lab to break down what Justin Steele was doing. Uh, A lot of of work from that slider, Brendan. It was particularly nasty today. He was locating it quite well. Uh, and then the bullpen of Martin, Efros, and Wick combine to shut this one down. Behind him, the Cubs getting their runs on Sunday via a Rafael Ortega leadoff home run on his birthday. So happy birthday to Rafael. Patrick Wisdom with a long home run to make it 2 to nothing. And then the game-winning hit, Brendan. The, the, such a baseball thing, right? Mm-hmm. A week ago, Frank Schwindel is sent down for a day, basically. Yep. A week later, game-winning hit for the Chicago Cubs. Look at that. Look at that. So that's just how things go sometimes. But 
that's the series. Again, the Cubs take two or three uh, to finish a four and two road trip. Very nice little week from the Chicago Cubs as they head back to Wrigley Field on Monday. So let's jump right into the starting pitching. I think we'll we'll talk about uh, Hendricks and maybe a little Smiley because everybody's always hyper-focused on Kyle Hendricks, but the lead of the weekend was the start that we saw from one Justin Steele. And reading a uh, tweet here from Christopher Kamka, who is a great stat man uh, for NBC Sports Chicago, and I'm going to pose this to you as a trivia question, Brendan. Okay. Uh, this was on Sunday, the first 10 strikeout game. Uh, first of all, it was the first 10 plus strikeout game from a Cubs starter since Kyle Hendricks in 2020. Uh, so that's <laughs> great. Um, that's a good news, bad news situation <laughs> right. right there. Um, but. It is the first 10 strikeout game by a Cubs pitcher who was drafted by the Cubs since who, Brendan? So, uh, and bonus if you can get the year. Oh, man. Okay. See, this one's tricky because it's not going to be within the last decade, right? So I, I, I don't think it's. Do that. you want me to answer that? No, I'm just okay. thinking out loud. And I feel as if. You know, the early 2000s, that's too long ago and too obvious. Who would that be? So I want to say, and this is, uh, he was not a strikeout pitcher, but there may have been some starts where it happened. Was it Randy Wells? No. No. Okay. So I thought I was a little bit like out there, but it's not Randy Wells. You Um, are too far. You were incorrect in your first assessment. Too far in the timeline? Yes. Too far back. Are you serious? I am. Okay. Is it... Is it Mark Pryor? No. Okay. Is that too early in the timeline? Yes. Okay. So I'm looking. I'm just at... going to tell you. No, no. I get one more. I get okay, one more. I right. get one more. I get one more. <laughs> uh, you know, Big Z's not drafted. Signed internationally. You're too far back, Brendan. You got to tell me now. I'm bad at this. Who is it? May twenty sixth, twenty fourteen. Okay. Jeff Samarja. Is it Jeff Samarja? It is. All right. Well, that makes sense. He had that splitter working back then. So, wow. It's been a long time though. And a little bonus tidbit, that was okay. the year that Justin Steele was drafted by the Look Chicago Cubs. How about that, Look you guys? At that. Coming Things circle. just coming together. Yeah. Um, but Brendan, I mean, break this down however you want, but even just watching this one, I mean, especially the way that he was locating that breaking pitch, low and outside to left-handed hitters, was masterful today. When he was, was missing, he was missing down low and out enough that it was not leaking over the plate, but he just a ton of beautiful pitches placed outside the zone uh, for those hitters to go and chase. And, you know, really he made like one mistake in this game. He left that one ball up, uh, I think it was to uh, Smith, uh, or no, maybe it was Varsho. It doesn't matter. Some, doesn't matter. Some guy on the yeah, Diamondbacks none of you care about, yeah, but it was a lefty. He left it just a little too much up and in. Uh, the zone. I think he was trying to go with the elevated fastball out of the zone to get the strikeout. That was really like the only mistake in this game for Justin Steele, but just a beautiful start. I mean, really, really nicely done. And so I want to give kind of a timeline of what's changed for Justin since those mid-April starts. So he had that great start in opening uh, the opening series against Milwaukee. And then since then, we knew it was not the best. So in that first start, Against Milwaukee, he did show a sinker, and he threw a sinker in 6% of his total pitches. But then he went three weeks without showing a sinker again, and that was four starts. So 
Four starts later, he then shows the sinker and throws it in 5% of his pitches. He went another few starts until he threw a sinker again. And that was last week in his previous start. And he, for the first time that season, threw a sinker in 26% of his total pitches. That is the highest usage of his sinker since last season. And that persisted today. So he threw a sinker in over 20% of his total pitches. And if you were watching closely, his reasoning for throwing sinkers was to go up and in to left-handed batters. And he did that masterfully. That allowed then the slider to work off of that same tunnel. And you saw him get tons of whiffs and that led to 10 strikeouts. So we were talking about Justin for many episodes and the sentiment that I was trying to express was if Steele can't showcase more than two pitches which for the first month was a four seam and a slider he was not able to align those two pitches and their command at all until recently and the thinking was and the sentiment that I was saying was well this if he doesn't experiment with these other pitches or develop other pitches then I don't know if he can even be a starter and that that I think is still a fair assessment so for him to showcase in the last two weeks now, a slider, four-seam, but also using the sinker once every four pitches, and then he's still using that curveball once every 10 to eight pitches, now you have four pitch types. And he did show, not in this start against Arizona, but in the previous start, a change up a few times. And so within the last week now, he's thrown five different pitch types. And I think these last two starts are markedly better than any start he's had even going back to later in, in 2021. So th- this is encouraging to see. And this is kind of exceeding my own expectations in terms of the immediacy of him having success and him going forward, if he can continue to do this and showcase that command and use these multiple pitch types effectively, then yeah, I think him being a back of the end rotation starter, let's say a four or five starter with potential to be a mid to high leverage swing guy, let's say in a shortened series, like a playoff series, that is so valuable in today's game, Absolutely. Corey. And I know everyone's greedy. They want to see the Cubs produce top of the rotation arms. I'm greedy, and I wish that was the case too. And maybe Justin is able to do that as he continues to develop. But realistically, given what he has, that is a four or five starter value. That is insanely valuable, Corey. So this is a good development. This is really encouraging to see and another step in the right direction against the Diamondbacks. Yeah, this was great. I'm I would have to think that this is one of those starts, you know, that Justin is hopefully able to use his momentum and and continue going on, but for the Cubs to have a guy that they drafted and developed come up and give you a quality start giving up just one run in 6 innings while striking out 10, like yeah. big ups to Justin Seal on Sunday. That was that was a a really really great outing. It was fun to watch. Um, one more trivia question for you oh uh, from Christopher Comka, uh, again, at C. Comka on Twitter um, about Justin Steele, uh, kind of a follow-up to the first one that, let's remind everyone, you got wrong. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Justin Steele <laughs> is the first Cubs lefty drafted by the Cubs with a 10-strikeout game since whom? And again, bonus points if you get the year. <sighs> Left-handed. Lefty drafted by the Cubs with a 10 strikeout game. I can't even remember the last lefty to be drafted by the Cubs to start a baseball game. Hold on, let me think about this. Um, do you want a hint? No, I don't want to do hints. That's like okay. cheating. Um, 
I mean, the only, only because this is the first name that comes to mind and it's mostly in a negative context. Was it Rich Hill? It was. It was Rich Hill. All right. Uh, that's so. That's the last Cubs lefty to start, other than now that I remember. So, all right. You look at redeemed that. yourself. I did. August twenty second, two thousand and seven. Ooh, look at there that. There you go. Yeah. A lot of fun trivia today. Yeah. So that is uh, Justin Steele. Really great outing. So you know that's that's also one where you know now you, you really look forward to seeing him get on the bump the next time to see if he can kind of continue that success, keep it rolling. But let's talk about Kyle Hendricks. Uh, not his best start, but, you know, I think this was a fine start. Five hits. And again, settled down uh, after it looked like it might be a troubling night for him with the command. Uh, only goes five and two-thirds uh, with 94 pitches. But what did you see from Kyle? This, of course, is following a, a really strong outing in the one yeah. before this. So what did you see here in Arizona? Yeah, Kyle had a different mode of attack against the Diamondbacks, probably due to the lefty-righty versatility of the Diamondbacks lineup. But against the Diamondbacks, he threw mostly four-seam fastballs. So he threw 94 total pitches. 34 of those were four-seamers. And then he led in his secondary pitch usage with the changeup, unsurprisingly, with 26 total changeups, and then his third most used pitch was the sinker. So in the previous start, he led his total pitch usage with changeups, and then he threw sinkers. And in this start, it was very much reverse in terms of him leading with the four seam and then using the changeup and sinker to complement that four seam. And he's actually been spiking up his four seam usage over these last few starts and, and, and specifically this year compared to last year. And that's just something to keep monitoring. He did express higher confidence with the four seam after his last successful start. So it just might be something that him and Jan Gomes are finding success in, or it could be something that him and the and the pitching infrastructure, whether it be with Hadavi or Moscow, is pinpointing as an area of potential success for Kyle. He did throw 14 curveballs, so that usage is still being higher than in years past. And he did have success. Now the whiffs weren't there against the Diamondbacks, but he was able to settle down after a few so-so innings to start the game with some poor command and then he did redeem himself and go almost six innings so I think it was another encouraging start from Kyle the one area for improvement against the Diamondbacks if you look at his zone profile he left a lot of change-ups up in the zone I mean I'm looking right now just counting he left about six change-ups above the belt inside which is uncharacteristic to what we've seen from Kyle in years past. So the command was maybe not as sharp, but the four seam was really effective, and the changeup, when located properly, was doing what it needed to be uh, to, to, to do. So I think it's another encouraging step. Still room for improvement, but it's good to see Kyle have some success here in the last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I think the the real takeaway for me on the weekend, you know, again, like Drew Smiley gave up a lot of hits, probably less so if the defense was better behind him, but just a, a much nicer weekend from the starting rotation. I think that's yeah. the takeaway. If you can get some stability there, it 
it heightens the ability of David Ross to utilize that bullpen more effectively and some of the weapons that we've seen develop in that bullpen that we'll talk about later here. It, it just it makes everything so much easier um, for this team. And especially when you look at how like the, the San Diego series and a lot of the series the Cubs have played going into this series that also played out this way with the Diamondbacks, like so many close games right? Like, and the way that this team is going to be able to win more of those games is by the starters making things a little easier on David Ross. Then he's able to utilize the bullpen kind of like he did on Sunday, even with Robertson out and go to his most effective guys in a very close game. And you try to get, you just try to scratch one across with this offense, right? If the offense is still not performing at the level you really need or want, but in two of these games, they did just enough, right? And if you aren't getting that length from the rotation, it's a lot harder to succeed in such close games when you're relying on five, six relievers a game, or you're sending everybody out there for multiple innings just to, to cover all those pitches. Like this just really rounds everything into shape. Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Remember, that's PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature live NBA same game parlay for the first time ever build the perfect live same game parlay only with points bet combine your favorite bets anytime during the game you can even boost your live same game parlays and now online sign up is available in Illinois you can actually download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds again use code CHGO to get two Two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And of course, we appreciate all your support for everything going on at CHGO Podcasts and live shows on every team, every day post-game shows, and premium written content for all members when you sign up at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord when you become a member, so don't forget to sign up at allchgo.com. That is, of course, where you will get all the fine work from our guy, Ryan Herrera, and when he is not there, our other guy, Jared Willis, who fills in for him. And, uh, yeah, Brendan. So with Hendricks, yeah. uh, I want to talk about Jan Gomes a little bit. And we saw, you know, of course, uh, the Jan Gomes game on Saturday uh, where he hits a homer, drives in a run. But this is now the second start where we have seen Gomes work with Hendricks and Kyle really, really strong in his praise of Jan Gomes uh, and specifically the sequencing that Jan Gomes is calling back there, the way he is reading the swings of the opposing hitters, and of course using that information to decide on the next pitch and how to attack these hitters. And also just the way on, on after the start in this Diamondbacks, Kyle said after the game, 
you know, talking about how Jan was sort of calming him down and and talking to him and really giving him a a good mindset when the command was off or when things weren't exactly clicking early in the start. Like he he said, he leaned on Gomes and and really appreciated having him back there. So always interesting when when you know some, someone like Hendricks who has been in the league for so long and worked with so many catchers is is pretty strong in his praise of the work someone is doing. Yeah, I took notice of that too, especially after that Padre start where he almost went the complete game. He was so expressive, liking Jan catching him. And you're right. I I did think that was a point of emphasis from Kyle, especially when it came to sequencing and the words that Kyle used about Jan reading swings really stood out to me. And this is not to contrast Wilson Contreras directly because Jan Gomes is that veteran. He has caught former Cy Young winners. He's well-respected around the league, well-respected by managers. And there's a reason why the Cubs paid a lot of money to bring Jan into this team. So that point being that Jan was reading swings and getting Kyle comfortable, I, I thought, deserved attention and we were talking offline I made the comment I I wonder if Jan will continue to catch Kyle and maybe align Wilson's off days with Kyle pitching again this is not to say like oh Wilson sucks at calling games and the sequencing is bad and Kyle's struggles are due to Wilson but it is interesting and perhaps a trend worth following that maybe Jan will start catching Kyle more often in an actual scheduled manner. And you can see, I mean, I'm watching the game against the Padres and I can see everything is clicking like off each pitch and the changeup being used more than any other pitch type against the Padres was also a signal to me that Jan was really going with what was working. And Kyle has thrown changeups as his dominant pitch in several starts, both this year and in years past. So it's not like a, a huge rarity per se, but it's just it's interesting that in Jan's first start, he went with a changeup exclusively. Yeah, and I also want to read this stat from Andy Martinez from over at Marquee Sports Network. This was coming into the game on Sunday. So Gomes pinch hits, uh, goes 0 for 1, and then Wilson was 0 for 3, I believe, with a hit by pitch. And the stat was that only the Dodgers have a higher OPS from their catching position than the Cubs do. And Cody and Ryan and I talked about this when we were on after the Padres series, uh, talking about how we were all super pleased with that signing. You know, Brendan, I know you have been railing on that for years with them not, uh, you know, addressing the backup position in a sufficient enough way. But it's it's very nice when you talk about something like that during the offseason. You see the intention with the front office and, and when they made the move, and you really see it playing out. We, we were talking on uh, after the Padres series about how it was sort of maybe partially the part of the reason that Wilson was having such a resurgent season on offense. But then you look at the Cubs catching position as a whole, and then what we just talked about, where you have someone like Kyle Hendricks just absolutely thrilled at the work that Jan is doing in terms of receiving and calling a game. It's it's just nice when a move has a, a clear intention, and it just seems to be working swimmingly, Brendan. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because against the Diamondbacks too, again, they faced mostly, or he, he faced mostly a left-handed lineup, 
but you can clearly see the intention by by Kyle. So against lefties, Kyle threw no sinkers below the belt, none. And looking here, he threw about seven dozen pitches, it looks like. The majority of those were four seams. And then you used the changeup off of that four seam location. And some of those four seams, Corey, were thrown down and away to left-handed batters. Not all of them were thrown up in the zone. And Kyle has talked about using that low and away fastball in order for his changeup to work off of that. And it's interesting how the sneaker wasn't really used that much against lefties in this case. So my thinking is, what if Jan, early on in the game, was seeing that there weren't the best swings against these fastballs, or even the best takes, just a body language by these batters? And I never have thought about that from a catcher. You always think about just calling good pitches and, and sequencing appropriately, but you do wonder if there is a legitimate skill, and there likely is, of these catchers reading body language and bad swings and using that and using that extensive knowledge base to the pitcher's benefit. And when you have a veteran like Jan match a veteran like Kyle, who have seen so many batters over the years in World Series, in high leverage games, this is a, a relationship that appears to be booming, Corey. I don't know. I want to see more of it. It's so early to see, but I'm encouraged. I think it could help Kyle kind of get out of that early season funk, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just hard not to be really pleased with the way that this is going, and especially the the one thing I we didn't even mention, and we talked about Wilson's like offense, but just keeping him fresh, right? And that's so yeah. important. It's it's been so important over the years, and obviously when Gomes is playing the way that he is on the whole, um, it makes all of that a lot easier and just takes the pressure off of Wilson and hopefully will allow him to continue to have the best offensive season of his career, which is great. Yeah. Um, I want to stay on the the real positives and just some of the stuff that's going really well here. Um, Scott Efros, Brendan. Amazing. Is filthy. filthy. He is absolutely filthy. And we we I talked about this with Cody and Ryan the other day and how he's you know getting the pitching ninja treatment basically every time he's out there like it's it, I think uh, the pitching ninja Rob Friedman has uh, a notification up or something for when Efros is in the game because you just know it's going to be absolute filth uh, but another weekend from Efros where we just continue to see like the Cubs really seem to have a dude on their hands so mm-hmm. he goes. Just a third of an inning uh, in the game on Saturday, gets a strikeout, and then in the game on Sunday, he actually picks up, picks up the for his win, first win of the season, goes an inning, just one hit, no walks, no runs, and a strikeout. His ERA, Brendan, sits at 1.20 mm. on the season. And you look at, you know, you're talking about like Jan Gomes and his ability to like read swings and stuff. Like with Efros, it's pretty easy. Like you see some swings that are just... Uh, super off balance and ugly and clearly like these guys are just all over the place Um, but Scott Efros leaves the game on Sunday Brendan 17 strikeouts one walk amazing uh, what uh, what Amazing. else can you even say? But what I'm going to ask you to say is, you know, how is he doing it? Like, yeah. what what are what are we looking at here? Efros is unique. You're not going to find any pitcher like Efros in in the league. So because of that, these hitters are not going to be familiar with that type of pitching. 
Efros is unique in that release point. I mean, it's obvious once you see him pitch, but then when you match that release point with the actual quote-unquote new age stack cast metrics, those metrics are also way better than what you typically see from a pitcher, even with that arm angle. So if you look at, for example, Efros's slider, the vertical approach angle on this pitch, which is just a term that uh, defines the angle at which the ball crosses the plate. Think about it as launch angle, but for a pitcher. So this particular slider will cross home plate with a steeper angle than 95% of pitchers, Corey. That is absurd. So that means most of these hitters, when they see Efros' slider, they've never seen a pitch like that ever. When you combine the release point and the vertical approach angle and then the type of spin axis it has. But then his, uh, his forcing fastball and his sinker, those two pitches are also unique. His four-seam fastball, because of that release point and because of the spin that he has in that pitch, it actually kind of moves like a sinker, Corey, which is also b- bizarre. And that allows some of those nasty change-up swings and misses we've seen that the pitching ninja will tweet out. So Efros is quite l- like literally turning into a higher leverage reliever. Now, we need to see this continue. We need to see the command stay sharp. And it's too early to say that, hey, you have Efros being a bona fide high leverage reliever, but he has the stuff behind the the pitch metrics to back this up. And he has that attitude. I was listening to Ian Happ's podcast and Dakota Meckes um, talk about just the attitude that Scott Efros has. He he has a no BS attitude. Like you don't want to be by him, like in the dugout, because he's so animated and so focused. And that is what you want from a guy who wants to strike out and and lock down a game in the eighth or ninth inning. So the numbers are there. The results are there. You saw Ross use him again, even in his attempt in a multi-inning role to close out Sunday's game. Corey, this is fun to see. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself because we've seen high stack cast number guys like Tommy Nance, for example, kind of fade away. Although that was, I guess, I think fair at this point to assume that was sticky substance substance, um, mediated. But with Efros, I'm I'm really optimistic here, Corey. Like I'm so much optimistic that I'm a little scared that he's gonna let me down a little bit. But it's 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 exceptional and fun to see. Yeah, I mean, and worth noting too, the one hit that he gave up on Sunday in his inning of work was in the rollover. So he came yeah. back out to start the ninth, gave up the hit, and then David Ross went to Rowan Wick. So he, you know, probably could have just had a clean inning and called it a, a great weekend. But there there's just something, Brendan, like especially because it's not something that we're super familiar with at least in the you know recent memory what, good like pictures? I want to I want to drive this home like what we really saw on Sunday from the Cubs right like whatever your excitement level is for this team or this season like th- that notwithstanding right what we saw from the Cubs on Sunday was six innings and 10 strikeouts from a homegrown starting pitcher and that also included a clean inning of work for a homegrown reliever who in 16 games and I think 15 innings of work has a 1.2 ERA with, uh, as I read before, a 17 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio. Let that like settle in for a second. 
Like that's that's Absurd. big stuff. Yeah. When we're talking about this season and what makes it a success, even with where our expectations were coming in, performances like that are what are going to get us to that point. No doubt. And you want to see not only Efros continue to do this, but you want to see when Robertson comes back, him doing this. And when Roberts is ticking, doing this consistently. And Rowan Wick, who has looked good and he closed out that game against the Diamondbacks on Sunday, continued to look this good. And this is why you have that confidence in the pitching infrastructure and the pitch lab to make sure this bullpen is valuable. Now, that needs to be applied towards the rotation, guys, and that is a point of criticism, which is valid. But you see the potential of those types of guys in place identifying pitchers with unique numbers like Scott Efros. And you see the utility of pitchers like him that allows Ross then to use other guys in different roles. So as we talked about earlier, it has consequences beyond the pitcher himself, Corey. And you listen, uh, listing off those numbers in Sunday's win, you know, you don't hear that that often with this Cubs team. And you haven't heard that in in years with this Cubs team. So you have to be encouraged and at the very least intrigued by what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Intrigued for sure, right? Like we'll we'll time will tell on encouraged, right? Like we want to see more from these guys, but you you should definitely, you know, be intrigued. Uh and I do just want to uh before we head into our last sponsor break here and then we'll talk there's a lot of moving pieces on the roster, guys coming back, hitting the IL, etc. So we'll get into a lot of that. Um I do want to again highlight the job that Rowan Wick has done because I I think that that's uh, not something to gloss over. He got into a little trouble in the game on Saturday, but he does pick up his third save there. Walks a guy, gives up two hits, but he does strike out three in the inning of work. And then he comes back to uh, close out the game on Sunday, picking up his fourth save then. Gives up just a hit, no walks, no strikeouts. But you know, again, this is a guy with an ERA sitting at 1.32 on the season, Brendan. And the velo looks good. The stuff looks good. His execution looks good. This is uh, another in a in a in a line of things where you know he had had some injuries, some inconsistent performances, but for him to come back and show us that he can be a back end high leverage reliever, big deal. Big deal. His numbers back it up too. So you have the average exit velo by Wick better than ninety percent of pitchers. His strikeout rate is also better than 85% of pitchers. So he's not only limiting the amount of contact, but when contact is even made, it's very weak. And there was a an out in that ninth inning against the Diamondbacks on Sunday uh, that speaks to the example of why Rowan Wick is good. And Rowan Wick has exceptional carry on his four-seam fastball, which was one of the reasons why Hadevi decided to implement that spike curveball with Rowan Wick years ago because it just goes off in that same type of tunnel and that same type of spin axis. But in Sunday's game, he threw a four seam up in the zone. It wasn't really well commanded, to be honest, but it was interesting because a pop-up was induced. And a pop-up was induced because that four seam does have above average carry on that. And you can see why Wick is successful, and it does point to the evidence when we talk about this pitch lab being encouraging and valuable, 
in identifying how pitchers like Wick can be good. And this also reminds me of too, like not every pitcher that the Cubs acquire is going to turn into a valuable guy. And you can think of examples in years past where that that is the case. And you can think of examples where, you know, many guys did, did, did fade away. And it's not to say that even some of these pitch peripherals that we always list off is reason to unequivocally project these guys being good. That's never the intention. The intention is to pinpoint why these guys might be good, might as in being the key word there. And then you watch the progress, you watch what they're doing with those pitch types, and you follow the journey to hopefully seeing them be successful. And you have an idea of why they might be successful. That's always been the intention. Uh, I just want to point that out because, you know, some guys may not be successful. Daniel Norris may not be successful, but it's still interesting when someone like Daniel Norris develops a sweeping breaking pitch for the first time. I think that is worth following. It's not to say he's going to be successful, but it's just a it's, it's a point of emphasis there. Okay, so another break here from our, uh, from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Brendan, let's get into some of the housekeeping here for what we saw this weekend. So firstly, uh, in the good news category, Seiya Suzuki back in the starting lineup, so that is good to see. Goes one for four in the game on Saturday, and then one for three with a double that in a lot of parks would have been a, a nice home run. He also walks in this game. He had some really nice plays in the outfield. Uh, in that game on Sunday. So that's just good to see. Glad to have Saya back and in that starting lineup. Yeah, it's good to see. He made some exceptional plays defensively. And it reminds me of two. I, I tweeted about this, but Saya's body control, Corey, kind of a weird thing to describe, but he is so intentional and effortless in the movements that he makes that it does remind me of Javi Baez. Oh, not, not in the you know, the magician type performances, but in the ability just to control his body mechanics. And you see that even as he goes through his at-bats and his progression and his thinking process, it, it, it's refreshing to see. He had success. He had base hits. He had good plate appearances, a good approach. He looks comfortable in right field, running the bases, looking pretty good. It's, it's good to see. And now you want to see that early success come up a little bit more often. He has been going through some funks here, but as that plate approach continues to be consistent, which it has been, the results are going to come. We're going to see more base hits, more power, driving the ball more. Those walks continuing to happen as the season goes along here, and I continue to be really impressed beyond my expectations for Seiya going into the year. Yeah, and I, I like seeing that the the run-saving diving catch that he made in the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as a, a reminder, he won a lot of 
defensive awards yeah. when he was playing in Japan. So that's, we've seen him play good defense, but I don't think we've seen a ton of like, whoa, type plays to, to start his career here. But it is a good reminder that he can make them. Like he's a very good defender. And for as excited as we have been about what we've seen on offense, you know, again, he's going to go through some some slumps and some adjustments and things like that. But for as excited as we were about that part of his game, like he's just a really good baseball player. Like he's a very good all-around baseball player who is going to show us and provide value in a number of ways, not just with the bat. So in addition to Seiya coming back, the Cubs do place Nico Horner on the 10-day IL. It is retroactive to May 12th uh, with that right ankle sprain. Uh, Always really great. You weren't on here when uh, Cody and Ryan and I talked about it, but I can only imagine your reaction uh, to learn (laughs) that Nico had been hurt by an umpire. So that's just... Yeah, I would not have been happy. (laughs) Yeah, really really awesome stuff uh, to have your starting shortstop in a, a really strong year and and start to the year uh get hurt because an umpire I mean, great, can't be bothered great to awareness pay by an umpire like your, your, right. your job is supposed to be watching the game like turn around really awesome turn around just awesome stuff yeah. um everybody uh i think i i think i speak for all of the chgo cubs crew when we say we're really really thrilled about that development um if you can't tell by all of our tones when we talk about it um Anderson Simmons activated. He did get in the game on Sunday as a defensive replacement. Um, he's not going to—we talked about him a lot. Like, he's not going to do a lot for you with the bat, but with a lot of the infield defense that we've seen. Vargas ended up making a nice play in this game uh, to save a hit for Justin Steele, but the Diamondbacks do score a run. That's the unearned run on Steele's line today uh, because Vargas couldn't field a, a ground ball cleanly. No, can't do it. So— you're you're glad to have Simmons here. That should clean up a lot of that stuff. It should make things a little easier. And as we've talked about relentlessly, like this pitching staff is going to generate a ton of ground balls. You need to have clean defense, uh, especially on that left side to go along with Patrick Wisdom, who always plays a very nice third base. Uh, the other update is that Clint Frazier is expected to begin a rehab start. So that is good news. Yep. You know, he hadn't really gotten going Brendan when he was up to start the season, but we saw some good stuff from him in the spring, and obviously he was one of those guys who no guarantee he was going to be good or have success or anything, but it was certainly worth finding out, and he will begin a rehab game uh, on Tuesday with AAA Iowa. The report uh, from Megan Montemuro this morning was that he would need about five games uh, in targeting that Cincinnati series next week for his return. So that should be good to get him back. And that is uh, a lot of the roster stuff. So moving pieces here. Yeah. And you, you want to see Clint come back and have success right away, if for anything, because he won't be a free agent until 2025. So he fits that type of discussion we've been having with why you want to see more of Alfonso Rivas. And those guys with team control in my mind, at least right now, should be getting the majority of the plate appearances. And if they don't work out, they don't work out. That's fine. But you can find value for them and roles for them, even if they're not starters. And that in and of itself is valuable when you're trying to build a long-term roster and save money here or there. And that was the intent with David Bodie years ago. Coming up, having success in 2018, seeing the changes that he made that 
at the time appear to be sustainable in a way that uh, decided that made the front office decide to give Bodhi $15 million over four years and buy out those arbitration years. So there is value to this. And for Frazier, I hope when he does come back, I want to see him. I want to see him the majority of the time. I don't know how that will play out from a defensive alignment positioning. I don't know what that means for Frank Schwindel, who has had some success in this series after being demoted a week ago. I don't know what that means. But in my mind, Ross has to find a way to get Clint's bat in that lineup the majority of the time, however that works. Yeah, again, like you you just want to see what you have there. And uh, Rafael Ortega has has had some, some better games as of recent. He's turned it on a little bit, had a nice weekend here in Arizona. Um, obviously, you know, on Sunday with the leadoff home run, but, you know, still sitting at a 670 OPS. Uh, Jason Hayward has certainly struggled, 552 OPS. Uh, you so think he is, will get DFA you know, this year at some point, Hayward? Jason? Yeah. Seriously. I doubt it. I'll believe yeah. it when I see it. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I, I just doubt it. Um, yeah. And as we've talked about, it's it's a tough spot, I think, for the front office when you have several other guys who are not performing. You know, I think it it makes it more difficult for them to uh, make that decision. Um, and that actually brings us to, you know, someone I do want to touch on just at least a little bit uh, and kind of why hopefully Nico's not out too long. But as as we talked about earlier this week, like you want him to be out as long as he needs to be to be 100%, right? It doesn't seem like a particularly significant injury. I think he was out there doing at least some stuff on Sunday uh, pregame in Arizona. But he he's too important. His development is too important. So take take all the time you need. Hopefully that's not a long time. But Simmons, you want back. I'm not sure what they're going to do at second base every day. Uh, you know, especially while Madrigal is still out. But Jonathan VR, Brendan, like kind of quietly maybe. Uh, he had really good numbers against Kyle Freeland going into that start where they faced him on the road in Colorado. And he backed that up, right? He apparently needs to face Kyle Freeland every night because he has been horrible, yeah. Brendan. I, I like I I certainly was noticing this as it as time was going on, but I would not have guessed that it was this bad. He has been one of the worst players in baseball, Brendan. Yes. He has a 52 WRC plus. Always as a reminder, 100 is league average, so that is significantly below uh, and would represent one of the worst numbers that we have seen from anybody you're thinking of uh, in the past several years. Like this would be one of the worst numbers. And right now he has a negative 0.7 wins above replacement, which if you looked at qualified players, which he is not, he has not played enough to uh, fit that description right now, uh, he would be tied as one of the worst players in baseball. So great. Yeah, it, it's it's not great, and as a lot of people have pointed out on social media, he doesn't really look to be in the best shape. Uh, he was previously a guy who speed and like stealing bases and you know that that kind of like flat sprint speed was part of his game. That doesn't really appear to be the case. We've seen some of the uh, miscues on defense, and really why I'm even getting into this is as I said. Anderson Simmons certainly isn't exciting, uh, especially on offense, but he should clean up some of this stuff. VR, his outs above average defensive value, worst in baseball. His barrel percentage, worst in baseball. His sprint speed, 
worse than 65% of runners. That is remarkable, Corey. He stole last season 14 bases. In the previous year, in the COVID-shortened season, in that scaled sample, stole 16. It was just three years ago he stole 40 bases. And now his sprint speed is in the 35th percentile? Yeah. That that sucks, man. He got thrown out on a ground ball in the game on Sunday that, you know, the camera panned to the left side. And I think the shortstop uh, for the Diamondbacks, like, bobbled it a little. And I thought, oh, for sure. He said, and he was out. And yeah. I was like, what? It's just, it's weird. And the expectation going into this season was that he could be maybe a platoon partner with Patrick Wisdom. Remember those conversations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he was, at least last year, equally valuable against lefties and righties at a rate of a 320 weighted on base average against both those pitchers. So uh, it's it's frustrating because this is yet again another season where you don't quite have that infield depth. And with Simmons... You did not expect the depth. You expected the defense. And hopefully that does turn out to be the case. But with VR, you expected more than what you signed Simmons for. You expected VR to play every infield position, third base, shortstop, second base, with proficiency. You expected him to be a potential platoon partner for multiple guys that can give Ross flexibility to use different outfielders even, to maybe even use wisdom in left field if he wants to. But VR at this point has been unusable. I mean, he has the worst numbers from a peripheral standpoint and a value standpoint in Major League Baseball, Corey. And he has a contract for $6 million. It's not to you know bag on him. I'm sure he's not intentionally trying to be this bad. And I'm sure it, he feels awful because of this yeah but i feel awful because of this too and it's uh, it's it's it, it it's, it's i'm cringing watching him play baseball Go well on. and it's it's just one of those things where like sometimes you bring guys in and you know maybe they don't perform to the level that you want but you you try to let them figure it out things like that like the the issue and i think why we're talking about it is he has been that bad I mean terrible it's it's just it's that bad I mean again you're talking about someone with some of the worst numbers on both sides of of the game in baseball like that's that's tough you know and is is tough for Ross to a lot of guys are hurt so it's it's a tough position for Ross he doesn't obviously control the entire roster but that's a a tough spot to put him in where you need guys out there and especially you only have a certain number of guys that play each position but one of them has been Really, really bad. Um, so I want to also just worth noting because we talked about it. Uh, you know, he's he's obviously had some ups and downs, and it was a rough first two games for Patrick Wisdom. But nice to see Patrick with a two for four game and a long home run uh, in the game on Sunday. Uh, but before we preview this series, I do want to talk about a couple of guys in the minors. Uh, one of them made his AAA debut uh, yesterday on Saturday. We're recording this on Sunday, and that is Cam Sanders. His first start at AAA Iowa: five and two thirds, two hits, one run four walks, which is high, but nine strikeouts. And Brendan Cam touching in the the upper 90s. So this is someone who, uh, if he's not on your radar, as we always say, like he really should be. Like this is a very impressive start to begin your AAA career. Anytime a guy gets, you know, graduates to a new level, shows up, is touching in the high 90s and striking out nine guys, like that should be sending some alerts. 
And he's, he's doing this with exceptional stuff, as you pointed out. The, the, the numbers, the strikeout numbers, he, has, he had a K per nine in double A of 13.5. And then, of course, he goes in in his first start against uh, in, in Iowa and, and tears it up and continues to get those whiffs. So I'm thinking, you know, by the summer, we could have Camp Sanders getting starts. We could have, presumably with a high degree of confidence, Caleb Killian getting starts. Maybe Adber Alzali comes back around the same timeline. Then it starts getting fun again, Corey. Stroman will be back here soon uh, because of you know COVID issues. And Wade Miley is starting this week. The, the pitching for me is starting to get fun. And I was complaining about that for the first few weeks because of the injuries. And you want to see some intrigue by the current guys. And Justice Steele wasn't really doing it. And even he's looking better. So for the first time this season... I'm feeling optimistic about the starters, and I think hopefully by June or July, whether it be because they're selling off or whether it be because they just want to get these guys look regardless of their record, it could start to get really fun, Corey. Yeah, and uh, so on Caleb Killian, of course, we've we've talked about him a lot, but just wanted to update you there. Uh, his last outing was on May 13th, four innings, four hits, just one run allowed, two walks, and six strikeouts. Uh, and there, there was a great tweet uh, the next day from friend of the podcast. He was in the CHGO Cubs studios with Luke, Ryan, and Cody a couple weeks ago, Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation, and he just woke up uh, on Saturday and tweeted, good morning, the Cubs' best pitching prospects prospect leads triple a starters in yeah, era like that. and that would be one caleb killian with a 1.57 era well, now we as we've talked about like that was only four innings so he's he's still putting it together right like putting together the whole package and we've talked about it too i know there's an urgency like a desire to see him but he's rounding into form right so be patient. It's going really well, but he's still got some some boxes to check before we we bring him up and we see him at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. Yeah. But it's never bad when your best pitching prospect leads AAA in ERA, and you also just graduated another guy to AAA, and he strikes out nine guys in his debut. Yeah, things sound better, Corey. Uh, I think I right? think that, I think that will work, and I think that you pen- and me we're known for being positive. I know. Look at that. We're just that's what people know us. I for. know we're beacons of optimism. Look at that. Okay, speaking of uh, optimism, back to the major league team. So we have a three game set against Pittsburgh at Wrigley Field starting Monday, six forty p.m. Central Start Time. This is the last time I complain about the start times because I know it's probably getting annoying, but six forty is ridiculous. Uh, again, Wade Miley pitching second start on the year, looking to have more success. Wasn't the greatest outing in his first start, but that's what you expect from um, you know a bizarre ramp up from the spring training and then coming back from injury. On Tuesday, 6.40 p.m. start time, the Cubs have not announced a starter as of Sunday evening, so just keep tabs on that. And just backtracking a little bit, there's no Pittsburgh starter announced for Monday's game, but they did announce a starter for Tuesday's game, and Brubaker is pitching for Pittsburgh on the season is 0-3 with a 5.34 ERA. On Wednesday, the last game of the three-game set, 6.40 p.m. start time, Drew Smiley pitching for the Cubs. Uh, Smiley on the year having... Pretty good year. He's 1-4 with a 3.64 ERA. He'll be facing Keller for Pittsburgh, who's been roughed up the majority of the season. He's 0-5 with a 6.61 ERA. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 15-19. and The Cubs are 13-20. And, and I will say, 
the schedule for the Cubs appears to be pretty, pretty mild. So after the Pittsburgh series, they then play the Diamondbacks for a four-game set, still at Wrigley Field, so that traveling's not going to be a, a, a problem. Then after that four-game set against the Diamondbacks, they play Cincinnati. So you have in the next week and a half, 11 games against teams that are in the cellar or should be in the cellar of their division by the season's end. So, you know, the 13 and 20 expectations are very low for this team right now. But in a weird world, an alternative reality, if the Cubs do come out and blow away these teams, you know, we could be talking about, to our surprise, uh, perhaps like a more competitive Cubs team. Yeah, I mean, look, just like keep it rolling right? This is a really nice week. It's always tough to go on the road. Um, you know, no, the the Padres going into that series were, were playing well. Arizona was playing well. And it's a, it's a tough swing to head out west. And you did really well. Took both of those series. And just, yeah, keep it rolling. Like you're, as you said, Brendan, like it's, it's not, the, the Cubs have gone through a portion of their schedule where the competition was very stiff. And that is not the case, uh, you know, at least to start this, uh, you know, stretch here with Pittsburgh and then Arizona and Cincinnati. So yeah, just, just keep it rolling. Hopefully we can get some of these guys healthy. Um, but that's it for me. Yeah. Continuing to see more of what we saw this weekend from the starting rotation, longer starts, quality starts, keeping the team in the game. And, you know, hopefully the offense can start to pick up the production a little bit so that the the pitching staff isn't having to make two or three runs work every night. But in a lot of occasions, they seem pretty up to the task. So let's just keep this rolling. Like the start of the season has not been great on the whole and, and where the Cubs find themselves at this exact moment. But if you can come back home, take advantage of a weaker portion of the schedule and uh, capitalize on hopefully some momentum that you just built by winning two series on the road. As you said, Brendan, like maybe we can make things at least a little more interesting and fun here uh, for the Chicago Cubs. So that is what we have for you. I will be in studio with Luke Stuckmeyer tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday morning, tonight, uh, we will be doing pre and post game to start the series as the Cubs come back to Wrigley Field. So tune in for that. And as always, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO. Of course, uh, the live podcasts and shows on every team every day, post-game shows and premium written content over at allchgo.com. So go sign up and become a member at allchgo.com. Brendan and I will be back with you after the Cubs finish up this series on Wednesday evening. And as always, go Cubs!